0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation.
1: What is going on? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers Podcast. Brandon Marcus here on a Sunday morning. In beautiful, sunny Los Angeles, California, as we are winding down the preseason and getting ever so close to opening tip for the Los Angeles Clippers 2021-2022 campaign. Took a week off because frankly, preseason basketball, not going to come in here and uh, break down every single preseason game. So took a week off before we get into the grind. Got a really good um, list of guests here coming up. We have Justin Wilson, who's currently with me on the line that will start off today's show, and then next week on Saturday, Shane Young, uh, Shane Young, MBA, will be joining us from Forbes. And then the following week, we're looking at uh Shap from the Lobo Jam Pod, a place that uh, Justin Wilson knows very well. So he'll be joining us either before the first game or right after the first game. So still figuring that one out. But Justin Wilson, back with me. I looked on the Skype, and July 11th is the last time we talked, Justin. It's been three months. How are you, my guy?
0: Three months. That's uh
1: it's a took pretty long time. That's
0: a healthy amount of time away. Um, I'm glad to be back. I'm happy. Um happy you got like Shap and Shane on the pod too. Um good to see good to see this uh this ball Clippers collective pod is growing. And so happy to see that. Happy to be back, happy to talk some Clippers basketball and the season is upon us.
1: Yeah, dude. Trying to get as best of guests as possible. I know the people want good guests, they want good analysis, they want people that know the clippers and a good group coming up. And of course, I love having you on. You mentioned that you took a little bit of a break. And it, it seemed like it's been necessary because the first, I mean, the last couple of years have just been nuts. You had the bubble, obviously, that ended late. And then the season started pretty much right after that. And then this season didn't end until midsummer. It really feels like we finally got ourselves a legit off-season, a chance to kind of step aside. That was really necessary, I feel like
0: yeah absolutely like i feel like up until like this off season um the last two nba seasons have kind of just run simultaneously like they haven't there hasn't been any rope break since the start of the 2020 season so um I, I i definitely felt a little bit fatigued and um i still can't believe that the nba season is starting like next week or like a week after like it's 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 come so fast but um this is a sport that we enjoy. This is a team that we enjoy and, you know, kind of comes with the territory.
1: The Clippers have one more preseason game. That'll be tomorrow night against the T-Wolves. And that game is at the Toyota Arena. So it is not at Staples Center. So a chance for people that don't live in that Los Angeles greater area to go see a game. Um, I believe that's where the Agua Caliente Clippers play, right? Is that is that right, Justin? yep yep yeah.
0: absolutely yeah. um and i kind of like that because you know the clippers are definitely trying to uh grow their 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 um their franchise with the uh with the g league team and um, it's good to get like a game or two in that in that vicinity to kind of grow our fan base there
1: and the nba said you know what we have made the clippers play every other day during the postseason Let's go ahead and be nice to them before the season starts. Let's go ahead, have their last game beat tomorrow on the 11th and then open things up 10 days later on Thursday, the 21st. They are one of the last teams to start. They may be the last team to start Thursday, October 21st Clippers warriors will be the next time we actually see the Clippers. That game will be on TNT. So some time before we get to that. And I got, I want to talk about a different, a couple different things here, Justin. Um, I want to start off with, and I want to preface this first before we get into the conversation. I want to be completely honest here, people listening. I have not watched any preseason, and it's been a couple of reasons why. Number one, I don't think we really get much from preseason basketball. Um, I think the style, the quality of play, is not great. And number two is that I got to be an hour and a half with my wife every single night, and you got to pick and choose your spots. And if I want to watch USC football on a Saturday, or if I want to watch postseason baseball, and you got to pick and choose your spots. And I got to tell you, Justin, preseason basketball ain't it. So uh, I have not watched. I know you've watched some, <laughs> but I, I, I'm just going to be honest. It's what's happening. And, and you, you and I were talking before we went on. You're not enthralled by preseason hoops either.
0: No, no. I think um, it's for the most part uh, pretty worthless. Um, aside from like a few dress rehearsals, but um for me, it's 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 a chance, like I suppose, to like just see, just to see, like how some guys look, how some guys are moving up and down the floor, um, and like I guess there's a little bit of value in just seeing who is actually in the mix for like those fringe roster spots, those tend to like the back end of the roster. Um, that those competitions are ongoing in training camp, and so I guess on some perspective that part of the um, roster makes preseason a little more relevant. Um, But all in all, it's kind of, it's basically worthless. It's essentially um, a a little bit better than some leagues. So um, yeah, not really a fan. I think um, training camp can be spent a bit more better for the team as opposed to like just playing some worthless preseason games and putting yourself at injury risk and just, just the whole nine. But um, I suppose for the back end of the roster it has a little bit of value.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what it is. And, and it's like, do you need four games for that? I don't know if you really need that. I know that uh, football decide to scrap one of the preseason games and add a regular season game. And I mean, that makes more sense, especially revenue. wise right. it's, it's like you had four preseason games. What do you need four NFL preseason games? You need to evaluate your third string running back that long. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't make a whole lot well, of like, sense.
0: Well, like, the Clippers have one of the um, one of the toughest schedules in the league, and that could have been alleviated at least in a little bit by just taking out preseason and just extending the regular season, giving us a little bit more time. But that's another story.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. And the Clippers have, I mean, what is it? Is uh, six, five games in seven days, or five, five games in seven days? Whatever it is, I mean, it, it's nuts, and it feels like you very easily could stretch out the schedule by starting the season a week earlier and not having the preseason extend as long as it did. But that's just the way it's going to go. I mean, the Clippers played the fourth, the sixth, the eighth, and the 11th. And when you look at who's been the leading scorer, Terrence Mann, Brandon Boston, Luke Kennard, I mean, it doesn't give you a great idea of what things are going to look like in the regular season. I mean, and especially in this case, we just had the season end a couple of months ago So do we really need to see Terry Rozier go out there for 20, 25 minutes a game? I mean, you're there practicing. I get the game is a different feel. I feel like you only need a couple of games. I mean, two or three, three probably will do the job where you have a couple of limited minutes in the first two and then you go and get more close and get closer to about 30 minutes in the third. But it's kind of just the way it is and we got to roll with it. Um, But I want to talk about certain guys here and I want to start off with Eric Bledsoe. And the reason I want to start off with Eric Bledsoe, Justin, is because, by the way, people can follow Justin on Twitter, at LA Clippers Film, if you're not already, and I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already do, but just in case, Justin Wilson, LA Clippers Film. I want to start with Bledsoe, because he's getting a lot of praise right now on Clippers Twitter, and usually, Clippers Twitter tends to be pretty much on the same page about certain guys, for the most part. And Eric Bledsoe, obviously a fan favorite when he was with the team several years ago. And there were some questions coming in when the trade was made to get rid of Patrick Beverly and getting rid of his grit and toughness. Would Bledsoe make sense? Because he is not the best three-point shooter, but he's a guy that can get to the hoop, I think, a little bit better at times. Than Eric Bledsoe, and I thought that it would certainly work with what you always talk about, getting to the paint and spraying to the corners. The Clippers have so many guys that can shoot the three ball. So here's my question to you. Eric Bledsoe is getting a lot of praise right now. Is this going to end up being Rondo 2.0, where he gets praise now initially? but then people get really pissed off when Bledsoe doesn't turn out to be the exact guy they want him to be. And everyone is longing for Patrick Beverly back in a Clippers uniform. Is that what we're going to get? Or do you think we're going to get Eric Bledsoe where people are going to be on the same page going forward and that he's going to be a valuable asset to this team? Well, that's, that's tricky because it's, it's kind of all about perspective
0: for me. Like, um, We may end up longing for Patrick Beverly, but at the same time, Patrick Beverly himself was like, relatively speaking, rarely on the floor. Yeah. Um, so like it's it you just have to um keep perspective whenever you're watching and evaluating Eric Bledsoe. But you know, E B is a he's a guard that like gets to the paint and um gets to the front of the rim far better than like Patrick Beverly did. Mm -hmm. Um and he's honestly in a lot of ways either just as good or he's had moments on the other side of the floor um in which he's been he's been an all nba level defender um for a few times as well and he's younger than patrick beverly um his contract situation is such that like if this doesn't work out this year we can essentially cut ties with him once the season is over um He's someone that fits into the Clippers scheme in that way, in that um, he can get to the paint and he can spray out. And so I don't think this will be a Rajon Rondo 2.0 situation just because He's a better player than um, Rajon Rondo at this stage of his career. And um, I do think that there is a world in which he's really good for the Clippers. I also think that there is a world that he is really bad for the Clippers when it matters most. I don't think um, he should be as long as he stays healthy. um, He has a good track record in that regard. He should be somebody that's a positive asset to what we're trying to do in the regular season. Um, If we, if we're fortunate enough to get into the playoffs, um, that's, a uh, that's a, uh, situation where Eric Bledsoe can become a bit more dicey, um, with his decision making. Um, he hasn't, ha- he hasn't made the greatest decisions in the postseason in recent years. Um, that, that can be, uh, something that can be, um, a bit troublesome but all in all I think he's he can be a new net positive for us moving forward
1: Is decision making your biggest concern with him in the postseason because it feels like the ball if you kind of go off what happened last year the ball will be in PG's hands more often than not to start the offense so elaborate a little bit more on that one well I, I think I think in terms of him being a point
0: guard and him being tasked with making decisions with the ball in his hands, um, it's tough. It's it's tough to have a guy like that who essentially you don't, you don't trust. And so part of this entire 82-game season with Eric Bledsoe is going to be just getting him reps in which he's making decisions that hopefully are beneficial to us. And hopefully that, that works out for us come playoff time. But yeah, the big thing with Eric Bledsoe is his decision-making, and that's something I'm going to be watching all season.
1: It feels like what you want Bledsoe to do is you want Bledsoe to use that high motor to get into the painted area, and if he's able to get past a defender and no one's there, then he takes his shot from eight feet in. If he draws the defense and perhaps gets a double team or someone tries to help, then you kick out to a shooter, and whether it's someone that's open or needs an extra pass to get to somebody else that's open— it feels like that's when the offense will work best with Bledsoe, when he's able to either get to the paint and find a shot there, or if he's able to kick and start the offense on the perimeter, do you feel like that's correct?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, 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 that's my, my, my dream scenario with Eric Bledsoe. Um, he's, he's defending point of attack very well. Um, he's defending when he has the chance to guard twos and threes. I think he's big enough for that. Um, you know, that along with just getting getting out and running. Um, I know Ty has mentioned that Eric Bledsoe adds some pace to us, which is something that we did not have last year. Um, one of the things that really hurt us, especially even in the playoffs, was how poor we started games. And we were really old and creaky in that regard. And that's something that Eric Bledsoe is going to help a lot with. Um, just picking up our pace, getting into the paint, Overall, just being dynamic, and that's something that I think is going to, in a best-case scenario, really raise our ceiling um, just by being that dynamic guard. That's something that we did not have last year, a dynamic guard, forceful, who was getting to the front of the rim on a consistent basis. And that's, if there is something that could be encouraging from the preseason, is that Eric Bledsoe physically looks sharp enough to be up to that task.
1: And I think there's a big difference between joining a team at the trade deadline like Rondo did and joining a team and having all of training camp and then the entire regular season with the team and being able to fit in and with Ty Lue being able to experiment what works and what doesn't work. So I feel like I started this conversation asking is going to be Rondo 2.0 where people kind of long for Patrick Beverly. And I agree with one of your initial points. And it's what I've been saying all along from the time that trade was made, that availability is so important. And especially with this team where Kawhi is hurt, you don't know when he's going to come back. PG is a guy that's not going to be able to play the full complement of games. Nick Batum is a guy that probably can't play the full complement of games. Marcus Morris, too. So you need guys that are going to be available for the majority of the contests. And Patrick Beverly just has not been that guy over the years and I'm sure Bledsoe could get hurt. I mean, all guys could. But his track record shows that he's someone that's normally healthy and on the floor. And so that's a net positive for the Clippers is availability and being able to use those minutes and take up those minutes that may need to be played when other guys like Batum, PG, Marcus Morris, whatever, cannot play. So you bring up the point about the preseason. And then obviously, I think that the entire regular season and being with a team that long is a big difference. It certainly is, right? Having Being able to go from training camp, be with the team, the entire regular season where Luke, Ty Luke can see what works, what doesn't work, and then you go into the postseason, you've kind of known what the weaknesses and the strengths are of blood.
0: Yeah, I mean, in general, um, the Clippers are – Um, they have a 15-man roster, but they kind of have a 13-man roster right now just off the strength of having no Kawhi and for the time being no Serge Ibaka. So um, availability is a premium, and being available from the jump is going to be incredibly valuable this year for whoever is. And certainly Eric Bledsoe um, being someone that can relatively speaking be reliable as far as health is concerned is immeasurable in any season but especially given the um roster constraints that the clippers are currently under yeah
1: all right cool let's move on um let's talk a little bit about the third center spot it feels like clippers twitter is more interested in this spot than i feel like we should be um i'm not entirely sure how many minutes we're going to get from that spot although that being said we don't know what the health is of Sergi Poca, so it's very possible that um, Hartenstein—is it Hartenstein or Hartenstein?
0: Um, Hartenstein is how I've come to think of. I could be wrong there, but yeah. I, I think it's Hartenstein.
1: Yeah. So Hartenstein versus Giles—it it seems like that's a matchup that a lot of people are talking about. And I mean, you look at the last game and what Hartenstein was able to do. And I didn't actually watch the game, obviously, like I said. But you look at the line. And you see a center that puts up a line of 16 points, eight rebounds, five assists, two blocks. That's pretty good, man. Uh, I mean, that's really solid. It feels like both those guys, Harry Giles and Hartenstein, or Hartenstein rather, have done pretty decent so far in the preseason from what I've read and what I've seen in the box score. What are your thoughts there on the uh, the third center spot?
0: Um. Because of the Clippers um, roster right now with like, you know, they're they're essentially they act, they're operating with a 13 man roster right now. Mm-hmm. And one of those guys that are that are hurt is surge like that third center spot could be. Pretty well, like pretty critical and it, and it's going to come in handy like I think. You know, you never thought you would see DeMarcus Cousins playing, like, actual playoff minutes in the playoffs. And so you just never know in, in those scenarios. And with that being said, I think um, Isaiah has pretty much shown what he's been in the NBA so far as a center that can kind out of operate out of the, like, high pulse and out of the elbow and playmake. And he's already got this chemistry going with Luke Kennard. And that's something that is valuable um out of that position. And I think given given how late in the offseason um Isaiah picked got picked up, he was one of the best available players. The Clippers did well to grab that. And like I think Harry Giles is um is 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 a good talent. Um he wasn't all that good for Portland last year, but um I do think both of them have complementary skill sets as far as being like really skilled passers and all things considered given what we've heard, it looks like that third center spot is Isaiah's for the taking. And I think that, that that'd be good for the Clippers. He's somebody that I think can help. And, depending on how our injury situation looks as the season develops, he can be somebody that's a bit more important than we think right now, but he's a talented, he's a talented big. Um, he's a talented playmaking big and he gives something the Clippers like as far as like being able to make sophisticated passes out of their like elbow sets and stuff like that. So um, if in the, in the bits and pieces that we've seen from him in preseason, he's definitely been encouraging.
1: And you bring up the point that I was about to bring up with, with the Clippers. It feels like passing is so important and to have a big that is able to pass like he does. I mean, I've seen some highlights of some passes he's done from the top of the key down to a, a cutter and it's unbelievable. The guys has great vision for his size. And if he's able to do that and pass out of the post and find an open shooter because the Clippers are going to shoot a lot like they did last year and they're going to take and make a lot of threes. It feels like that's critical. So to have a guy like that seems really important. Make the case the other way. Why would you choose Giles um, for that number three spot? Well, I think Giles
0: is still only 23 years old. And... Um i would i would venture to say that like it would be based purely on like potential and betting that like you can unlock the potential of a 23 year old who a few a few years ago was this prospect that was one of the best players in the country um if there was anything left in that regard that you felt you could unlock then i think that would make the case but um by all accounts Isaiah is kind of beating him for that spot. So like making that case would be kinda of hard. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess the case would be centered around the potential because Harry Giles at one point was one of the um was one of the best players in the country. And so and he's only twenty three. So he hasn't been that far removed from that um, He's definitely had some um, Traumatic knee injuries in the form of like ACLs and stuff and anytime You start talking about lower body injuries Like that you you kind of think That that sort of potential is gone But like hey you never know I think The Clippers have done really well with Reclamation projects as far as Like with Reggie Jackson and Nicholas Batum And like their player development With Terrence Mann has been really good And so maybe they feel like they can Unlock something with Harry Giles in that rec- guard and if that's the case then they 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 go hairy but like I think Isaiah has proven himself to be the better player um thus
1: far. I would wonder if they keep both and I, I don't know the situation that would present itself where that's possible. Um probably Ibaka would have to be missing to start the season and you'd possibly be able to keep both. Um speaking of Ibaka, what's your uh, worry on the worry meter of one to ten? How concerned are you about him? Because I know that he's been cleared to practice, but it feels like the type of injury that he had was pretty serious. So I'm close to a six or a seven on that scale because I'm not sure how easy it is to come back from that. And back injuries are no joke. So where are you on the worry meter?
0: I'm with you. I'm with you on there because... The, the best version of serge is somebody that can really help this team um I've said this before he's one of my favorite players in the NBA for for some weird reason I, I he's I, I just love serge Ibaka as a player and if we can't get the best version of surge and if that back thing is like reoccurring even even after um surgery um that's something that can uh definitely be worrisome and so I'm with you on that worry meter um I know you said earlier in the podcast that you have Shap. Um, coming onto the pod in a couple of weeks, he's somebody who's an actual doctor. I'm sure he can speak more on like the potential for like re-injury and the potential for re-aggravation in the future. But yeah, Serge is somebody that like he had that um he had that surgery. He went under the knife like months ago, and he's still not doing contact. So hopefully, it's more preventative And that he's some that he's close to returning. Um, but anytime somebody has, has like um surgery as serious as the one that surge did um and he's still not doing contact months later that's definitely a cause for concern i thought he would be ready for the first game of the season doesn't appear that that's going to be the case so i'm with you on the worry meter <laughs> um how i would describe it
1: yeah it does it concerns me man it really concerns me and the fact that he tried to rehab it before having surgery, it just feels like that's an injury that I'm not sure he was going to work via rehab, but nonetheless, we'll see what happens. And it's very possible that both those centers um, end up being needed. Uh, and I think the Clippers will end up playing a lot of small ball as well. It's possible that we'll see Marcus Morris at the five. Um, we may even see, see a guy like Justice Winslow at the five. That that's That's been discussed. So we'll see. Um, obviously speaking of injuries, really tough for Jason Preston, um, for the injury that he got in the second round pick for the Clippers, a guy that the Clippers had some high hopes for, I know. And it, it, speaking of draft picks, you go along the line and you, you see that the Clippers end up going with Keon Johnson as their first round pick. And then you go and you draft a guy like Preston and then late in the draft, you grab a guy that I know Mr. Justin Wilson loves and Brandon Boston jr that was the 51st overall pick out of Kentucky and a guy that was a top 10 pick uh, just a year before that, if you look at mock drafts, where now you've actually gotten a chance to see him play, Justin. And you, if you want to talk about preseason, going back to how we started this podcast, it's probably the most important for a guy like Boston. It, has he lived up to the hype thus far? Um, I think he's more than
0: lived up to the height if there is hype for preseason things like that but um Brandon Boston is somebody that I've followed since Sierra Canyon and so I've, I actually got to see him play a few times in person in Sierra Canyon and so I think when you're talking about young prospects like 19 year olds it's important to look at them a bit more holistically so like the time span from like his senior year in high school all the way till now um, Development isn't linear, but, like, I think, at least for me, I've definitely seen enough that he's worthy of, like, an in, in investment, Um definitely worthy of being um, not the 51st pick. I think that was, like, a gross overreaction to his college season, but that's fortunate for the Clippers because the Clippers, I think— You know, if you told the Clippers going into last year's college season that they'd be able to get their hands on Brandon Boston in a draft, I think they would have laughed and called you crazy. Right. So like the fact that they got their hands on, honestly, an an elite prospect, like he's an elite prospect. And the only reason why he's not an elite prospect or considered an elite prospect is because of how bad he was in college. But I think that could be like a gross overreaction to um, a covid stricken season in which he was injured. And then he had like personal tragedy on top of that. But he's definitely someone that um, that I'm a fan of. I think Clipper fans are already becoming fans of and i honestly for good reason. Um, he's a really good prospect, um, and he can do a lot with the ball. Um, he's young, he's light, he's real skinny. Um, I think he's a bit far away from like being like a positive contributor, but, um, the potential is just bleeding through. And I think that's, you know, I think he's, (laughs) We're going to pretend I'm sure Clipper fans are going to pretend like he's our first round draft pick this year. But, uh, yeah, he's somebody that I think is both farther away and closer than what we um, originally would have expected. But um, all signs up for Brandon Boston. He's somebody that I'm a huge fan of. I've been a fan of for a while and I'm anxious to see how the season plays out for him, um, depending on like how things break for him.
1: It's funny you make that first round comment and does that mean that Keon Johnson perhaps it's really early on so it's hard to say. Keon Johnson was not a guy that was known for his shot in college. He was more known for his athleticism and his defense but from what you've seen of Keon Johnson does it feel like that that pick could end up being a mistake?
0: No no I I I to be quite honest um that that would be a massive overreaction to me. I mean, he hasn't even played an NBA game yet. Yeah. Um and he was drafted with the idea that he was going to be a project yeah. like Boston. He's incredibly young. He's only had one year at uh Tennessee and um you know, like Boston, he was someone who was uh, projected to go into the top 10 at various points of of last year's college season. So like he's another prospect but like I would say that he's a bit farther away on the offensive end in the bits and pieces that I've seen that like most would have uh expected. Yeah. I know I know the idea was that he was far away but like seeing it is actually kind of like ah, you know that, that that's kind of unfortunate but at the same time, you know what I mean, he he's someone that, you know, we we we're going to have to wait on but like any sort of like um idea that this could be a mistake. I don't know that would feel like an overreaction um he's talented um we got him for a reason and we'll see
1: yeah I agree by the way I think it's way too early to judge off this and it's so interesting because I feel like we're kind of scarred by what the Clippers have done in the draft recently um you and I've talked about this several times in the last like 10 years or so the Clippers have just missed left and right but it feels like they're slowly starting to figure out what makes sense in their system and who could be a good addition and and you got to remember with rookies that are on good teams like the Clippers and the Clippers may not be a top three seed this year, but they're still a good team that has some depth that guys like Keon Johnson and Brandon Boston are not going to get big run this year. They're, they're just most likely not going to, I mean, they'll get minutes at times either in a blowout or when you see a couple of guys get load managed or injuries, cause they'll happen. So you're not going to see them for large minutes. Who do you think this year will play more. It feels like Boston is more of a guy that you'll throw in there than Keon Johnson. Oh, oh definitely.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I'm definitely if if there if there is a scenario where one of the rookies is going to play or one of the young guys is going to play, I think it's Brandon Boston. Um I think physically he's got a long ways to go, but the ball skills are obviously there. Like he already he already has an NBA ready jumper. He's got NBA ready height. Um, he can put the ball on the floor. He can do some stuff like that, and um, for what the Clippers would need from him, he can already do, which is like space the floor, knock down open jumpers, and that's that's his NBA skill. And I think thus far he's proven that that is already way further along than one could have expected. And given to to your point, um. When you join as a rookie, you're joining a team that's really good already. They're not going to ask you to do much, and they're and they don't want you to do much. And so, out of all of our young guys, he's somebody that already has a complementary skill set in the terms of in terms of being able to knock down open shots. That's that's important. Being able to knock down open corner threes, being able to knock down open threes from the slot, being able to attack um closeouts for pull ups and getting to the rim. Um, he's already tried to like put a poster on somebody. So yeah, out of all of our young guys, I consider Jay there If the chips are down and the Clippers are looking for like a spark from a young guy, I think he's played his way into um, being that guy, which for the Clippers is a massive win with the 51st pick already. And um, they're starting to really do some really good work later in a draft. And that's encouraging moving forward.
1: And you talk about the schedule and how the Clippers have the toughest schedule. And with rookies, here's something that that hasn't really been talked about much. There's not going to be a ton of practice time. When you're playing as often as the Clippers are, and you're not getting those practice days in, it's a little tougher to incorporate those rookies. So it feels like this year will be kind of more of a, hey, learn, like sit on the bench and learn and watch and see how things happen and be an NBA player, go on the road and understand what it's like to be an NBA player, understand what it's like during shoot around, understand what it's like to get in a routine, what you should and what you shouldn't do. It feels like that's more of what this year will be for Johnson in Boston than anything else, Justin, because there is isn't going to be a ton of practice time. And it just feels like the Clippers aren't going to go and rush those rookies. So that's kind of my my thought on that. Would yeah. you Would you agree?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think another benefit is the fact that we don't have a bubble year for the G League. We actually there's actually going to be an actual season, and so I suspect we'll see some of our young guys there at some point. Um, I think I think um, more than anything, we um, we we. We kind of have to just be patient, but I do think that there are scenarios where we might need them. Um, the Clippers could have made Brandon Boston a two-way guy, and they didn't. Um, they put him on the 15-man roster, so like, you just never know. There's a chance. There's yeah. a chance.
1: There's always a chance. So, and, and to
0: actually see them play, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and there's always a chance to win a lot more money. And where can you win money? MyBookie.ag. Ever since I started this podcast, always, people always ask me for betting tips or ask me who I'm betting on, where I'm betting, and I tell them I'm at MyBookie. A-G. The rep is rock solid. They've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. The only place that I trust to handle my NBA-related bets, Premier League, college football, NFL, whatever you want. Blackjack, it's there. They've got it. I don't give out my stamp of approval easily. You gotta be the best at what you do to earn it. MyBookie is simply the best out there. Head over to my bookie, enter the promo code Hootball. Get your deposit mashed halfway up to a thousand bucks. Head over to my bookie. If you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet and need a little bit of help. Hit up the guys at the Hoop Ball Gaming Department. Devin does a great job there. They've got the wager pass, they've got the DFS pass, a- anything that you need there gambling wise, NBA, daily fantasy wise. It's all there on hoop ball.com. Let's finish things off, Justin, with Luke Kennard. He's a guy that finished off the season pretty well and he was inserted into the rotation towards the end of that playoff run and it seemed like he was starting to get some confidence, and that was a confidence they didn't have in the regular season, except for that game really against Atlanta and a couple of other spots here and there. It, It feels like that's carried over a little bit into the postseason. You look at how many attempts he's taking a game and how he's doing. It feels like Luke Kennard is a guy that really needed the preseason to just continue with what he left off at, and this is a guy that needed to have the confidence to shoot, and he is a good shooter, and He's finally got some time where he's away from that injury and has a full season under his belt. It it feels like this could be the year that Luke Kennard, by the way, starts that four year contract this year. So everyone that was destroying the contract and we've talked about it and we said, you know what? Sure. This so far, he hasn't lived up to it, but it hasn't started yet. It feels like this could be the year where we get Luke Kennard. And frankly, it feels like the Clippers are going to need Luke Kennard. If they're going to do well this year, what are your thoughts on Luke?
0: You know, he, by all accounts, has had a really great training camp. Um, he's getting further and further away from those injuries that kind of hampered him in Detroit. And, yeah, they're definitely going to need him. Um, I think one of the biggest emphasis in training camp so far has been for Luke Kennard to get shots up. Get shots up. Get shots up. Don't be passive. Don't second-guess. Get shots up. And um, that's they're going to need Luke Kennard because... He's an exceptional shooter. He's one of the best shooters in the league last year. Um, He's been one of the best shooters in the NBA from the moment he's come into the league. And if you think about the Clippers last year, um, they shot tremendous. They were the best shooting team in the league, one of the best shooting teams of all time percentage-wise, but attempts is where they kind of, like, for me, um, I was like, man, if we could just get more threes up, we need to shoot More threes we need to get more threes up And that's one of the things that luke Kennard, At least the best version of him the Actualized version of him um can Really help the clippers because i Do think he's someone that is not Just a shooter but he can shoot Off pin downs he's got some juice With the ball as far as like shot Creativity and he along With like reggie jackson and like paul George are guys that can Do enough with the ball that can help Our three-point attempts without Sacrificing accuracy so to speak week. So um the actualized version of Luke Kennard can be extremely helpful. And without without Kawhi Leonard, we're gonna depend on him a ton. And so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing like what he does as far as like this expanded role that the Clippers are giving him. Um it seems like Ty Lu is leaning on him a lot and for good reason. I'm a Luke Kennard optimist and I believe in his I believe in his talent. I believe anybody that can shoot um, the way Luke Kennard can um, is someone that can be incredibly valuable in today's NBA, and so um, I, I'm I'm optimistic that this is a season that Luke Kennard um, can break through.
1: It really feels like he's someone that's going to be crucial for that second unit. And you look at the Clippers and who they're going to roll out there, and guys that can shoot the three ball. And obviously, you've got Batum that can shoot it, Marcus Morris. You got uh, PG. I mean, those guys obviously shoot their hefty and their I mean they shoot their large amount of threes especially PG it feels like you need one or two more guys that you really can rely on of course Reggie Jackson has been unbelievable um over the last 2 years and so he'll be really important to have in that starting lineup but it feels like you need someone else off the bench that can contribute some juice and of course Terrence Mann's going to bring that energy and it's great to see him continuing to really excel, and it shows that the playoffs weren't a fluke. And frankly, you look at his play on the court, and it's hard to just fluke your way into what we saw during the playoffs. And it shows he's
0: gonna that. be so good this year, man.
1: Yeah, it feels like with Terrence Mann, that it's this it's funny because you look at the preseason, and we started this conversation. This is how we can kind of end it too, where Terrence Mann was the talk of the preseason for two years. And he wasn't really doing much during the regular season. He wasn't really in the rotation. We wondered, well, what's going to happen with Terrence Mann? He's always great during the preseason, but what's he going to be later on? And that shows that you kind of need to have patience with these young guys, and you need to develop them. And it goes back to what we are talking about with Brandon Boston Jr. and Keon Johnson, especially Brandon Boston, where, sure, these guys may be pretty good during the preseason, and they may stand out, but you may not see them contribute for a couple more years. And with Team Mann... You've got a legit motor guy off the bench that can shoot and also create his own shot. I mean, the one-legged step back, I mean, that was silly. And and you don't just fluke your way into that. I mean, the Clippers needed some young talent. This is a team that, frankly, has missed in the draft for many years, and they don't have young talent. It seems like they finally have a guy that they can kind of develop and turn into a legitimate starter in team man, and then you prepare him with a guy like Luke Kennard, and the Clippers bench could be pretty good and a little bit better than advertised, Justin.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as, like, as far as what you just said. I think that's one of the strengths of this Clippers team that a lot of people are overlooking. is just the fact that even without Kawhi Leonard, they're still an incredibly deep team. Um, everybody that they're going to play this year, even without Kawhi Leonard, are legitimately good in my opinion, and that's going to help them win a lot of regular season games. And if they can stay healthy, that's one of the paths towards them being better than expected record wise. Their depth is their depth is real. And one of the reasons why their depth is real is because of Terrence man. Um, one of the things that you saw that you've seen in preseason is just how aggressive he's been the moment he's coming to the game off the bench. And, his rim pressure, his his rebounding, um, his pace, his his everything that he brings from a dynamic standpoint. Um, Thirty minutes of Terrence Mann every night this year is going to result in. I think somebody who's going to give you maybe like 15, 16 points a game, maybe um being the running for like most improved, maybe being the running for six man of the year, depending on how good the Clippers will. I I'm very optimistic about the Clippers as far if they can stay healthy. But I'm also even more optimistic for Terrence Mann, the player and his growth is going to be instrumental in towards in towards how good we are this year. But I'm a fan. I think he's going to be really good this year.
1: Yeah, and I I'm curious to see what the season's like for the Clippers. This is definitely a different one than what we've seen over the last couple of years, where the expectations were high with PG and Kawhi, and the expectations aren't quite as high this year. And people are talking about this six seed, the play in, and it seems like the Clippers could end up there and no Kawhi, and it'll be interesting. And I've talked about this podcast. I know you tweeted about it too. And I've been saying it for a couple months that Kawhi signing that contract and people who listen to this podcast have heard this now for probably five or six times really indicates to me that he wants to try to come back this year if the Clippers are in it. And if he's able to rehab that knee and get back, then he doesn't need to worry about losing that bag because he's already got it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Clippers. I'm not going to have you on most likely until after the season has started. So I'm curious to get your take on where you think the Clippers end up when all is said and done? I
0: think um, the the range of outcomes for this team is, like, incredibly um, large. I think they can finish as f- high as fourth, and, like, I think they can finish as low as, like, being, being in the play-in, as far as anywhere from, like, 8, 7 to, like, 10 or something like that. Um, so anything from 4 to 10, to me, seems like, um, remotely like realistic it, It's all going to depend upon How healthy they are I think there's a level of continuity With with the roster as far as the rotation is concerned That can help them I think the first 15 games um, Of this season are a bit favorable For the Clippers So it'll be very important for them To get off on the right foot But yeah, I, I'm optimistic I think this team can finish 4th or 5th In the West if they can just stay healthy um, Paul George I think is one of the 10, 11 best players in the league. Um, that plus a deep roster, Ty Lue is one of, if not the best coach in the league. Um, you put all of those factors together, and I think you have the makings of a team that can finish top five in the West. And if they are fifth at that at, at that time, um, I think there's, there's a chance that you see Kawhi Leonard come back. And if he and if the Clippers are fifth, it makes sense for Kawhi Leonard to come back and then you never know what happen, what could happen. So um, if I had to guess, I'd say they finished that that that's kind of my thinking. I think the the um, consensus is just missing how deep this Clippers team is and how talented this Clippers team is, quite frankly. And I'm optimistic, but the first, like, 15 games of the season is going to be critical. They, they've got a lot of winnable games to start this year, and if they can get off on the right foot, um, I think the the path to four or five seats yo, yo.
1: yeah yeah uh, lost you right towards the end of it so the last like 30 seconds or so was was uh, a little bit in and out but uh, the path to the four or five seats certainly is doable and with that justin always a pleasure having you on my man it was a blast glad to reconnect after a couple of months and looking forward to having you on throughout the season on the hoop ball clippers podcast Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to being on this year. Um, weirdly enough, I'm more so locked into this year now than last year, just because like it's it's intriguing to me how like the consensus can't see how deep this Clippers team is. And so I'm excited to see if they can shock some people because I think they can.
1: You can follow Justin on Twitter at L.A. Clippers film. And of course, you can catch him on this podcast. He's always on the law of the jam pod as well. Justin, appreciate you, my guy. Thank you for
0: having me on. Thank you for giving me a few a few minutes on your platform. I appreciate it, my brother.
1: Of course, as always. Talk to you soon. Another great conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Justin Wilson. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped has the right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. Man, I got to tell you, if you need a gift for your dad, your brother, yourself, Manscaped is the place to go. The Lawnmower 4.0, the ultra smooth package is perfect for you and anybody in your life to complete your grooming game and anybody else's grooming games. Get 20% off and free shipping with code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. Whether you're shaving below the belt or you're shaving above, I got to tell you, Manscaped's got some pretty good products and they make sure that those scissors that you break out that cause some injuries from time to time, they want you to get rid of those. They want you to take care of your below the waist grooming. The brand new shaving tools just dropped, and I gotta tell you, their 7,000 RPM trimmer features skin safe technology to keep those balls in check and help produce manscaping accents around the world. The new multifunction on off switch can engage in a travel lock created for jet setters. Lawnmower 4.0 also gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. They've got everything. Go ahead, check out all the different products they have as well, whether it's a crop gel, the crop exfoliator. It's all there. Stop imagining yourself without it. Go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping. Go to Hootball 20 It's the perfect gift for any guy in your life, including yourself. So, like I said at the start of the podcast, we are going to most likely take during the, this week, we will not see anything because the Clippers play Monday, That'll be it. And then they will not play again for 10 more days. So Shane Young, who's doing a massive NBA preview for the Los Angeles Clippers, he'll join us on Saturday. We'll have a podcast with Shane, and then we'll have Shapp from from, the Lob the Jam Pod, talking about below the waist grooming here, from the Lob the Jam Pod. He'll be joining us the following week, as we'll preview or we'll recap that opening game, still seeing how schedules work for both of us. But most likely, that is our guest list. Shane will be on Saturday, and then we'll have Shap during the week. So a big thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. I'm on Twitter, at BDMarcus. Hoopball Clippers' Twitter account is at Hoopball Clips. If you love this podcast, please continue listening. Share it with your friends. Give us a five-star rating. Review it as well. And until next time, go Clips!